listening to our final instalment of Being Salt and Light in the 21st Century. This final episode is called Answering Difficult Questions. I wonder if you are expecting God to answer your prayers. What do I mean? So if you're praying for opportunities to speak to others about Jesus, are you expecting that to happen? Or if you're praying to see God's kingdom come, are you expecting God to do that through you? So are you prepared If you ask somebody to read the Bible with you for them to say yes, are you prepared if when speaking to a stranger and you throw something out there about being a Christian and they come back at you with some question, are you prepared for that? Personally, I'm a gospel optimist. And what I mean by that is, and you should be as well, is I expect as we speak the gospel to people, as we have conversations with people, they will have questions and God by his Holy Spirit to make a difference in a person's life. Right through the Bible, there is a very famous part of the book of Isaiah quoted. It's amazing how many times this crops up in the New Testament, I think in the Old Testament as well. Um, So this is the famous part in Isaiah that's quoted. Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding You will be ever seeing but never perceiving, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. You'll probably know this is part of Isaiah's commission. Isaiah was instructed to go and preach. But God, in those verses, told him that no one will listen. In fact, his preaching ministry will actually harden people against God. Now, you might wonder who would want to sign up for such an assignment, knowing people will reject what you have to say. Incredible. Isaiah did. Isaiah fulfilled that. And this verse, the one I've just read, verses, is quoted several times in the New Testament, most often by Jesus as a judgment on the nation of Israel. But what I would like to do is draw your attention to Acts 28. In Acts 28, Paul is under house arrest. He's speaking to the leaders of the Jews about the kingdom of God. He's trying to convince them about Jesus. We read that some were convinced. He gives this gospel proclamation and some are convinced. Others would not believe. And then Paul made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their ears, hear with their um sorry, see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would listen. Therefore, this is what Paul says after quoting that, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they 
will listen. So when we read that verse by faith, we should all be gospel optimists. God's word teaches us that when the gospel is proclaimed, when Jesus is preached, when Jesus is, is, is spoken about, Gentiles will listen. So as we talk to people, as we listen to people, as we take an interest in other people, it will not take long to hit a topic or idea that leads to a spiritual conversation. And even more so if we have a few handy questions lined up to steer a conversation in a certain direction. And what this verse, these verses do for me is spur me on to be on the front front, to be intentional. Recognising that people will listen. And I'm spurred on by the words of Jesus that are, the harvest is plentiful. People need God's words. There is so much brokenness, dysfunction, disobedience in this world. People need to know about Jesus. And so are you prepared for God to answer your prayers? As you're praying, Lord, please give me opportunities. Are you ready if those opportunities come along? We've already spoken about being prepared, having a gospel outline in our minds, maybe having some tracks available. But are you prepared for questions that might be given to you? Have you thought about this? Are you preparing for God to bring people across your path to speak the gospel to? And in this episode, just very briefly, we're not going to spend long on this at all. I'm just going to speak about an approach towards answering difficult questions. Now, what I'm not going to do, I was going to originally, but realised I would probably have, we'd have to do a whole new series on this. What I'm not doing is going through all the frequently asked questions. We don't have time to do that. And besides, I certainly don't have all the answers, but you could you could buy a book, something like Grill a Christian by Roger Carswell, that has lots of, of questions and answers to those questions. What we're going to do instead of going through all the frequently asked questions is just to think generally about a general approach to answering tough questions. So let me give you an example. Imagine you're in a conversation let's say with a work colleague, you've met them for a coffee and out of the blue, they just say, so you were saying the other day that you're a Christian, good for you, but how can you trust the Bible to be reliable? In fact, just the other day, I read this quote. I took a screenshot of it on my phone so I could ask you about it. Here it is. Read it. This is what, this is what I saw. What, what's your answer to this? And they hand you the phone and you look at the phone and this is what you read. What good is it to say that the autographs, i.e. the originals, were inspired? We don't have the originals. We have only error-ridden copies. And the vast majority of these are centuries removed from the originals and different from them, evidently, in thousands of ways. Gulp. How do you answer that question? You assume it's talking about the Bible. What do you say? How are you going to handle that difficult question? I remember someone saying to me something like, any question is easy if you know the answer. And equally, any question is really hard if you don't know the answer. So is this an easy question? When did World War II start? Yes, it is an easy question if you know basic history. But if you don't, it may as well be the hardest question in the world. It's, it's, if you don't know the answer, it's a, it's a hard question, isn't it? Let me ask you another question. Is this an easy question? What is a shearling? 
Any sheep farmer could tell you the answer to that question. That's not a difficult question. What is a shearling? But if you've not got any expertise in that area, it's, it's a difficult question. It's the most difficult question there is if you just don't know the answer. What's my point? What point am I trying to make? The same is true with questions about Christianity. Some of the questions that we are asked, we will have thought about and we will be able to give a good defence for our faith in that particular area. And other questions that were asked, we may never have thought about before and we don't have an answer for. That's just the reality of it. We do not know everything. We can't, it's impossible to know everything. So when we're asked a question, if we know the answer, then we can prayerfully, winsomely, depending on God, seek to share what we know. That's great. That's straightforward. But if we don't know the answer, what do we do? Now, you may want a notepad at this point because I'm going to give you a powerful set of words. This is the silver bullet. This is an answer that you can use to any question that you don't know. Are you ready? Get ready to write this down. I'll say it really slowly. This is the answer you can give. I'm not sure, but I'll try and find out for the next time we meet. You can answer any question you don't know the answer to with those words. I'm not sure, but I'll try and find out for the next time we meet. In fact, if you want, you can slightly tweak those words. You don't have to say them exactly like that. You could say, I don't know, but I'll try and find out. Um, yeah, I'm being a bit sarcastic, but, but when handling difficult questions, we need to know. It's liberating to know that I don't have to know the answers. I don't have to know everything. I can't know everything. And that is okay. Do not let not knowing everything stop you from opening your mouth. Because if you wait to have all the answers to all the possible questions, you will never speak. Because you'll never know all those questions, let alone the answers. And actually, I think we need to be aware that there are some positives about not knowing an answer and owning up to that fact. I think it shows a humility and a willingness to be open, which reveals a great integrity. Your integrity, my integrity is more important than looking like you know everything. It really is. If you don't know an answer, but you act like you do know the answer and you just waffle on, that does not commend the gospel. If you make stuff up that then is proved to be untrue, that does not commend or adorn the gospel. But being open and honest shows that you are willing to listen and think and dig deeper yourself into the question and into truth. I reckon that will probably strengthen your relationship with the person that's asking the question. So that's, that's one positive about being willing to own up. I think another great thing about being opening up about not knowing an answer is it gives another opportunity to meet up and talk about this again. You know, so just saying, I don't know, let's meet up again. It gives another opportunity for more gospel exposure for that person. And equally, it gives you time to prepare. You could read a book. You could go with some appropriate resource that deals with that particular topic, whether it be suffering or science and God or the Bible. Whatever the question is, you can go prepared and give a much more thorough thought through answer. It also gives you an opportunity to grow because if you don't know the answer, then you're going to have to go and find the answer 
like I said, maybe reading a Christian book, you could maybe chat about it to a Christian friend. You could you could talk to me about it. And I might not know, but I might be able to point you to someone who does. And that's all positive. And do you realise if that's what you do, then you probably won't forget the answer to that question again, because it's something that you've had to stop and investigate. And that will that will be ingrained. So next time someone comes along with the same question, you'll be in a much better position to answer it. Um, so I, I think that's really great. I'll just mention briefly the Bible reliability question. That was the one that I sort of started with as an illustration. So often when people ask that question about how can we trust the Bible or isn't it just like a really dusty old book, etc., etc., they're often not looking for an explanation of the manuscript evidence. That's available, by the way. Um, how would I answer that? in just the space of a few moments. If, if this was just a short conversation that was soon going to be over, how would I answer that question? One way that I would answer it and have answered it is by saying, well, the Bible makes some pretty big claims. It claims to explain our origins, our future, our purpose in life, it claims to reveal the way to know God, our creator, and what it means to know him and, and how we receive eternal life. Those claims are just too big to dismiss without any thought. Whatever you have heard about the Bible's reliability or whatever you think about its relevance because of its age, surely the fact that we're still talking about it today and the size of its claims means it is worth your while thinking about it some more. Perhaps you would like to read it with me so we can look at some questions and answers together and see what the Bible really says. Imagine you got a knock on the door of your house and the person stood there said to you that your house was on fire. The size of that claim would compel you to look right. There's just too much at stake, isn't there? And the same is true with the Bible. That's perhaps one way that I would answer uh, that question. Anyway, our time is gone. Um, and as we bring this, this short series of being salt and light in the 21st century to a close for our summer break, I hope you found it encouraging. And I just want to spur you on. I just want to, I just hope this has fired you up. I just hope it's encouraged you to speak up for Jesus. Personally speaking, I've had more opportunities to speak about the Lord Jesus in the last few months than in a long time. And I don't know whether that's because the Lord is at work stirring people and bringing people across my path. Well, I know that's definitely the case, but I don't know if that's because of this intentionality and, and looking for opportunities. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm excited. I'm encouraged. I hope you are too. Be intentional. Be obedient. Recognise we are ambassadors for Jesus. It is a privilege and joy to be able to share the gospel with other people. So let's seek to do that for the glory of God and to see his kingdom come. Mm -hmm.